0: Good evening, and welcome to the Christmas Eve service at Harvest Community Church. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our service with angels we have heard on high. true. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Suddenly, there was with the angel a
1: multitude of a heavenly Hosts, host, praising God
0: and saying, Glory, Glory to, God to God in the highest, highest and, on earth, and on earth peace and among those whom, whom he favors. We light the Christ candle candle to remind Remind us us that the Savior Savior is born. the soul He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in yet another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never had a family or owned a house, he never went to college, he never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave, through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race, and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together, have not affected the life man on the earth as much as that one solitary life.
1: Truly he taught us to love one another, his law is love and his gospel is peace. chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. is home.
0: Matthew 1, 21 says, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Oops. There we go. Hit the wrong side, I think. At any rate, as you're able, please rise and join us as we worship with O Come All Ye Faithful.
2: to thank you all for being here today and what a wonderful privilege it is to gather together and celebrate the Lord's birth. And um oh thank you I need this. <laughs> appreciate it. And um one of the things I was learned about was about a 6th grade class in a Sunday school and the teacher was very inventive and she was very creative so she wanted the children to take what they learned and applied it and so she for the Christmas play that year, instead of getting a prefab Christmas play, she let the kids make up the story. And so what she did is that each one of the kids got together and they wrote the story. And they had three wise men and they had five shepherds. They had two Marys, two Josephs. And they also had the baby in the crib. And they also had a doctor. And then the doctor, at the end, when, the, when it was going on in the play and the children were acting out the nativity scene, All of a sudden, the doctor comes and grabs the baby and says, it's a God. Well, those kids got it down pretty good. Because they actually knew the true theological history behind Jesus coming to earth. You know, a lot of adults don't know that. We also talk about miracles in our world. There's one thing I like in the refrigerator. It's called Miracle Whip. I like it on my pumpkin pie. But there's also miracles, you know, we've, we talk about it and we see it in the movies and whatnot. We even talk about the miracle on the Hudson. We remember that. When Sullenberger landed that plane that uh, engines went down and he put it so kindly down into the Hudson River. And 155 people on that plane were safe. Nobody got hurt. I was with an officer in our city that I call it a miracle of God. Because last week I visited with him and his wife, and he was shot. Most of you heard about it. and he got shot in the mouth and also in his legs. He is still recovering. But one of the powerful things he talked about, that when he was shot in his mouth, his femur artery was hit, and he could have bled out, but because the bullet. Was so hot it closed the wound so that it wouldn't bleed out. That was, I believe, a miracle. And today we're here to talk about the greatest miracle that ever took place in all of eternity. In the book of Matthew, then you know the book of the Bible, all the Bible has many miracles in it. But when we look at the story of The account of Jesus being born. And how that all came to being. And over the thousands of years, how it was prophesied that Christ would come. And now the time had come. And Matthew, who was kind of a math geek. He was a tax collector. And he worked hard at it. But he also knew a lot about numbers. And in those days... They had people who actually made the numbers, especially the religious numbers, twos, sevens, threes. And he put together the genealogy of Jesus. And here he had three different sets of 14 generations. He talked about from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, and the exile to Jesus. And he fathers the genealogy of Jesus from Joseph. And the reason he follows it from Joseph because he is talking to Jews. Matthew was written to Jews. And what he does, though, he records the lineage very importantly and puts it in 14 ways because he wants to show us that Jesus just didn't happen. That he was prophesied about and that he was put there on the specific time that God wanted. And how God controls history. And the miracle is for all of us, folks, is that we don't live in this world of just random happenings. God has a purpose in all of your lives, and God has a purpose and plan for you, and he allows things to happen to you. And he allows them for a purpose. Sometimes we don't like them, but they happen. But that God is at work in your life and my life in order so that we can experience him in the whole new context of life. And one of the things that he does is so great in this book He doesn't sugarcoat it. The people that he chooses in the lineage are not the best people. In fact, what God does is, and he shows us, Matthew does, that in that line of his Jesus' lineage is a prostitute. There's also in there a murderer, an adulterer. And incest. Those are in Jesus' lineage. And the Bible wants to show us that God loves each and every one of us. He can use us for his purposes. No matter where you come from, no matter where you've done, he can use you. And has purpose for your life. But then as we move in, and as Matthew explains to us, we see that verse that we've said now two times we've talked about how jesus was born as follows when his mother mary had been betrothed to joseph and before they came together is found to be with child by the holy spirit we're talking about the incarnation of jesus which means that god became flesh and that we're finding out that the virgin birth takes place and those are very important things those are the greatest miracles that could have ever happened Because if we didn't have that miracle take place, we would not have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what we have here is that we find first that Jesus, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And what we find here is the dual nature of God is so important. You know, some people want to blow off the virgin birth. But if they do that, Christianity has no meaning because what happened is God went into the wound of Mary and overshadowed it, the Bible says, and that Jesus was truly God and truly man. And in order for him to do what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, he needed to have both of those natures. For one, he needed to be man so he could go through the struggles that you and I every day go through that he experienced. And he got that from Mary. He was tempted and yet was without sin. That's why we can go to him and, uh, when we're being tempted and ask him to help us. And he can because he had the full impact of the temptation and never sinned. Whereas on the other hand, we sin. We sometimes fail when we're tempted. And yet Jesus did He also felt our pain. He experienced what you and I feel when we go to the hospital or we fall or we hurt ourselves. He experienced that pain too. He even slammed his hand with a hammer. He was a carpenter. But you see, he still felt the pain. He knows what we are going through. But also, he was God. And his nature was God. You know, we say... John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That word begotten tells us that Jesus was not created. Not like us. We're all creations. Jesus was God in the flesh. And he was of the same essence of God that impregnated Mary. And because of that, he has the power that none of us could ever do. Is to conquer our sin nature. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They brought us all down. And we live under a curse. I wrote a book. That, 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 the big why. And the reason is. Is because I saw so many people. Who struggle with pain and suffering in their life. And asked the question. Why did God allow this to happen to me? To help them see what the Bible said. And see we're living under this curse. That bad things can happen to us. Because of the sin. And that's why Jesus Christ had to become. A man. So he could conquer it for us. And give us eternal life. And that when we say. That we sin. The Bible says to us. The blood of Jesus Christ washes out our sins. It's God's blood. Not Adam's blood. Adam sinned. And he fell. But this. Washing away of the sin comes because of God in the flesh who spilled his blood, his DNA, so that we could be washed away clean. And his blood is the purging, powerful blood that can do that. And only he can do that. No one else can. The only one who could forgive us is Christ. And if you want anybody, if you want to talk to somebody about Christ and about your relationship to God... If you ever want a a little jingle, ask them this one. Say, who has a mother that he is old? What son has a mother that he's older than? And he's at the same age of his father. Now, who is that? It's Jesus. Because you see, Jesus was older than Mary because he's eternal. And his father is God who he's equal in age. And what we find here in the scriptures today, speak to us and say, if you struggle in your life, you have someone who you can go to who knows exactly what you're going through. He knows your pain and he has the power to help you through it. And that we also have one who can take away the guilt and the sin that we have in our lives that we deserve. The Bible says we all have sinned. I sin every day. (laughs) Just at 5 o'clock when that traffic's out there in the parking lot, you can see me sinning. But God wants to wash that away. And the way he does it is because of the powerful blood of Christ that washes it away because of Jesus being fully God and fully man. And this miracle of the virgin birth and the incarnation of God in flesh is the greatest miracle that ever took place in all the world. There is nothing in all the universe that is greater than God coming in to the flesh, embodying our lives, remaining God and being covered with human body so that we could have eternal life. And this is why he came. He came so that you can live eternally. Now I know people don't want to listen to Christmas and ask about death. This past two weeks I've done five funerals of friends of mine's parents. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of people who think about a lot of things in life. But I can tell you there's two things we don't think about. One is people don't think about retirement funds when they're young. (laughs) And what happens is when they get to 50 and 60 and 70 and they don't have anything but social security, then the panic button hits. And I know young people who were younger and now are my age, better to retire, who spent some of their 401k money that the the corporation gave them and, and they blown it. And they have nothing to retire on. And we don't like thinking about getting old and... Retiring. And then the other thing we don't want to think about is dying. But the Bible says here, this is why Christ came. So that you could have eternal life. And that life, the Bible says, is in His Son. If we take this beautiful gift and we say to God... I spit in your face, I don't need it. How do you think he would feel? How would you feel if your son or your daughter, the only one you had, died for a friend, and then they spit in your face, and said, oh, they made it out themselves. They, they made it out of the burning house. They would have gotten out anyway, not saying anything about your son or your daughter who ran in and saved their life, but died in the process. How would you feel? How do you think God feels when we neglect such a great gift as Jesus Christ? Then I want to close with a story from Philadelphia a mother and a father in Japan were so proud of their only child. They were so proud of him that when he was in high school and he finished his high school, they sent him to Philadelphia to Temple University. They saved and saved and saved so they can send him to this prestigious university called Temple in downtown Philadelphia. He was working his way through an engineering degree and by the third year he was doing really good. But one night on his way home from class, he got mugged, and they killed him. And the news came in Japan to the mother and father who invested their lives in their son. They loved him dearly, that he had been murdered. The Philadelphia PD caught the fellow. They saw him on the camera, and they found out who it was. they arrested him. And when the trial came, the father and mother decided they were going to move and come to Philadelphia and go to the trial. And when they were at the trial, and this man was found guilty, and when it was the time for the victims to make their statement, that father got up with tears in his eye. He says, you have taken my only son, who my wife and I have loved and we've devoted our lives to. And young man, I don't know if you understand this, but because Jesus Christ has forgiven me, I forgive you for taking my son. And that I want to offer you Don't let my son's passing die for nothing. Would you accept Jesus Christ and be forgiven by God for what you did to our son? That young man said nothing in that courtroom. But the mother and father lived in Philadelphia and they went to the prison and asked if they could visit with him every week. And they began to love this young man. Which he never understood and never could care for. And they shared with him the gospel. And because of their love. Their forgiveness. That this young man came to receive Jesus. And started leading Bible studies in the prison. Because of Christ's love. And you see, none of us here has committed murder. No. But the Bible says if you say a word against somebody, you commit murder. But we're forgiven, you see, because of this one, Christ, who died for our sins and has given to us eternal life. And it's just not enough to know it up here, intellectually. We have to commit ourselves to it. And give ourselves to him and this is why he came so that you could have life let's pray together lord jesus i pray right now for this congregation if there's anybody here who's not sure of their eternal destiny that tonight they can solve that they can admit more that they fall short every day and they sin And that, Lord, that they want to ask you for their forgiveness of why you died for them. And that you come into their lives and change them and make them new people. And that, Jesus, that we want to live for you now. Live for your way. And we trust that what you did coming to this earth so that you could live for us and die for us. And give us the wonderful hope of resurrection. Jesus, we give ourselves to you now. In your name we pray Christ. Amen. At this time we'll receive the evening offering. A reminder of what happened in Matthew's recorded. In going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, her mother, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us pray. Father, I pray that these gifts that are given, Lord, may be used for your glory and for your honor. And that, Lord, that in the dispensing of them, Lord, that we can see our world as it is. And that we can be agents of change in it, Lord. Lord, bless these gifts now. In your name we pray, Christ. Amen. This time we want to invite all those who believe in Jesus Christ and trust Him as their Lord and Savior to participate in this supper that we're about to receive. But in preparation to that, there are several things we must do. First, we're going to read about what it means to come to the Lord's table. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper, which we're about to celebrate is a feast of remembering, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that the Lord Jesus was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood, and to fulfill for us all obedience to divine law, even the bitter and shameful death on the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation whereby we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We also come to have communion with the same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world in the breaking of the bread. He makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. And then thirdly, we come in hope, believing that the bread and this cup are a pledge and the foretaste of the feast of love which we will partake, when the kingdom of God has fully come, and when with unveiled face we shall behold him made like unto him in his glory, since by his death, resurrection and ascension, he has obtained for us the life-giving spirit that unites us all in one body, so we are to receive the communion in true, brotherly and sisterly love, mindful of the communion of saints. Come, for all things are now ready. At this time, we're going to take some time. And Scott, would you come forward and lead us in our prayer of confession? times we did not do so well. We admit there are things we should have done that we didn't. we disobeyed your will and committed sin. From the words that came from our mouths to the bad attitudes and sinful thoughts we entertained in our mind, we need your mercy. We confess other times we should have taken action, said something went wrong, we done and said, but instead we did the end. Almighty God, thank you for showering us with many blessings. This is the way all our sins. jesus the night in which he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said take heat this is my body which has been broken for you do this in remembrance of me of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you. Amen. In like manner, Jesus also took the cup. When they had supped, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Do this remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. remembrance of Christ shedding his blood for us. The Bible said, Jesus said it, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You believe in me, you believe also in my Father. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. For the wonderful celebration that we have in Christ coming to earth, representing us and taking on our sin and freeing us from our bondage, Lord God, we just give you praise and thanksgiving and give you glory both now and forever, amen. time we'll have a celebration of our candle lighting. And um, one of the things I want to do for safety's sake, the person who has the lit candle, hold it up. The person who doesn't have the unlit candle, dip it down and light your candle that way. It's very safe that way. <laughs> I don't want you the church to burn down tonight. The tradition of the lighting of the candles comes back from the Reformation. Before this, the church had what was called the Paradise Tree. The Paradise Tree was a reminder of Adam and Eve falling into sin and them taking from the fruit that they were denied to do. But when Martin Luther was walking out in the forest in Germany and saw these beautiful pine trees and saw the starlit skies, he decided, you know, it would be great to teach my children that Jesus is the light of the world, and he broke the power of sin And so, therefore, let's put candles on the tree. Now, I don't suggest that the fire marshal will have a problem with you. But that's what they used to do. Because they wanted to teach their children that Jesus is the light of the world.
1: So